Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, the big story when it came to aerospace was that Chinese balloon floating over the United States and the eventual shootdown over the Atlantic. But there's always stuff going on even higher than that in lower Earth orbit. And Mike Wall joins us from Space.com to discuss that. Mike, always a pleasure. I hope you're doing well. Yep. Yep. Always good to talk to you, too. Yeah. Uh, what, what is uh, amazing, and we talk about it frequently, it's hard to get away from it, is SpaceX and what they continue to do. Just with their Falcon 9 workhorse rocket, I watched uh, another launch this week and uh, re- return the first stage back to a uh, drone ship out in the Atlantic. It's just also re- routine. It's it's just incredible what they're doing and, and doing it so often. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is funny. You know, I, I still remember when they they pulled off their their first rocket landing, which was in late 2015, and then their their first drone ship landing, was I mean, landing like the returning first stage on this ship like 300 miles out to sea, and it was just all so crazy. It had never been done before, and now, yeah, it is. It's it's true. We we like do expect it now because they've done it so many times. But we, it's just one of those things. It's a reminder, I guess. Like like a lot of things in life, you shouldn't take it for granted because it is really amazing and. And yeah, like just the fact that they're doing it so regularly, we sh- we we yeah, like we should still appreciate it when when these things happen. I think. Yeah, and they're launching uh, cargo uh, to the ISS. Uh, they're continuing to build on their Starlink constellation, and then ultimately on the dra- you know Dragon capsule, uh, sending humans into low Earth orbit and returning them back to earth safely speaking of that uh you posted a story not that long ago today about uh, the russian progress cargo spacecraft arriving at the international space station and apparently there's a leak with this ship as well yeah it's pretty it's pretty nuts you know that 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 just yeah we we just heard about it today there like there was a russian cargo launch to the space station on thursday and that that cargo spacecraft it made it safely to the station very early this morning. That's not the one where they discovered the leak. It was a different one that came up this past October 
and is, is scheduled to leave in a week or so. And they, they, they discovered like it, it, it had a coolant leak. It was, it was announced today, this, this, this older cargo spacecraft. And if people are space fans, you know, they probably remember there was a leak in a Soyuz spacecraft, which is the crew spacecraft. This, this, this new leak is a progress, which is a robotic cargo craft, but it was in the coolant system. That's where the leak of the progress was. And there was a leak in the, in the coolant system of the Soyuz too, just a couple months ago. So it's, it's, pretty concerning you know i mean is is that a coincidence i mean russian space officials said that the soyuz leak which happened in mid-december was caused by it got hit by some sort of small space object and punched a hole in the coolant line but you know this this progress just leaked its coolant as well could it be another hit in the same spot on the spacecraft it's like a pretty big coincidence if that's true so they're 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 going to have to investigate this really closely and see if there's some kind of design issue that the Russians need to address or if it is just a big coincidence. That's it's we don't we don't have all that information right now, but it's it's pretty concerning. Yeah, and what what is concerning beyond that with the Soyuz capsule is that's kind of considered a lifeboat, if you will, if there is some sort of catastrophic failure on the International Space Station, astronauts would climb into that for the return return trip home. Now, there are contingency plans, etc. With the Progress Freighter, it's not as big a deal because it isn't carrying humans. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's not like a huge deal by itself, you know, like in isolation, finding a leak on a progress. And they're, they're sort of designed just to, to burn up in Earth's atmosphere when they're done at the space station anyway. So this, this, this one with the leak in it is going to, it's just going to come back down to Earth and just burn up in our atmosphere. So that's not a huge loss that it has a leak. But if it is, if, yeah, if it like does indicate there's something wrong with the design of the coolant system, of various Russian spacecraft. And yeah, that's, that's where the concern lies. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's true, but the fact that there's two of these leaks within a two month span on, on Russian spacecraft has got to have, yeah, I mean, you got to have NASA thinking, you got to have the the whole Russian space agency has got to be thinking about this and saying, do we need to kind of really look at the design of these vehicles? Yeah. And then beyond that, Mike, is, is there a thought that, and I know when it comes to human space flight, redundancy is a huge part of the equation in just about every part of, of what's done, life support systems, safety systems, et cetera. But, but is there a thought that, you know, okay, uh, the Russians are going to launch another capsule. There'll be a life raft there. Is there a thought that maybe they need more redundancy and that maybe a dragon capsule uh, from SpaceX would be sent up and and be at the ready if needed? Yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm sure that's been under discussion when the, when the Soyuz leak when, when that happened a couple months ago. I'm sure all options are kind of on the table. What what the Russians decided to do was 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 send up another Soyuz with with no crew members on board. So it's going to launch empty to to replace this one with the hole in it. That was it's the this like Soyuz with the with the leak was supposed to come back down in March with three astronauts, one from NASA, two from Russia. But it's been deemed it's like unfit to carry astronauts down because if it doesn't have any coolant, you know, it's kind of dangerous for the astronauts to be in a ship coming back to Earth through Earth's atmosphere with no way to cool the ship down on the inside, you know, it's like, it's pretty jam packed and you don't want to have three people crammed in there for hours and hours and have no air conditioning. It's pretty, it's just very uncomfortable. So yeah, they've, they've decided that they don't want to use that. Soyuz with the whole, with the leak in it, but they like can, if they absolutely have to, if they have to evacuate the space station before the next Soyuz gets up, 
then they actually could use this damaged one and put two astronauts on board and then send the other astronaut down, NASA astronaut, down in a SpaceX Dragon capsule, kind of jammed in as like a fifth crew member there. So it's, they're, yeah, they're, they're contingency plans, but it's not ideal. And yeah, I mean, if, if you talk to anybody in the human spaceflight world, they, they, like they talk about this word that, that you mentioned. It, they, they like want redundancy in all their systems. They, they would love to have more than two crew-carrying spacecraft. Right now, it's just the Dragon and the Soyuz that can take people to orbit and back. They're really excited. I think Boeing is supposed to get its new, its new astronaut taxi called Starliner. It's supposed to carry astronauts to the space station for the first time in a couple months. So once Starliner comes online and gets certified for astronaut flight, then that will help a lot just in terms of if there's a problem with the Soyuz or a Dragon, you also have Starliner. But that's still kind of down the road, and we don't know how that crew test flight's going to go. So, yeah, we just have two for now. Mike Wald joining us from Space.com, senior writer there, and joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. On this lovely Saturday in February, we've got a bit of a thaw in these parts, so a lot of people out and about enjoying the relatively warm weather. At this time of year, sunny and 40 degrees, Mike, is a big deal. Uh, people celebrate <laughs> sunny and 40 yeah. degrees in these parts in February. It's it's a very nice break. Um, I, I did want to bring up another topic, and that is uh, China and their a growing capability. They have an orbiting platform. They've been able to launch astronauts, return astronauts, um, and now a spacewalk. Uh, their, their capabilities in low Earth orbit continue to grow by leaps and bounds. Yeah, they've certainly become a big space power, and it's not just all the human spaceflight stuff, which is very visible, and it's they're, they're very invested in that, too, because it's a national pride thing. It's a very visible sign of their technological capabilities, right? They can, they can build a space station by themselves in Earth orbit, and they can send people there on Chinese rockets and, and on Chinese spacecraft and bring them safely home. That's, like, that's really big for, for the Chinese government to show that they are a space power and all the world can recognize it. But they're also being very aggressive in, in sending satellites up to Earth orbit. I mean, they're, they're like the, they have the second most satellites of any country in Earth orbit just behind us. And like a lot of their, their satellites are, are surveillance satellites. And we don't really know exactly what they're doing up there because they're pretty tight-lipped about their, their, spa, their space plans and their capabilities. But we know that they are extremely capable. Um, they, have, they have very advanced technology for surveillance and so, yeah, it's one of those things. It is obviously a big priority of the Chinese government to become a huge space power and to, to actually maybe even eclipse us in that sense. And I don't know what the timeline is or if that's going to happen because we, we, we like, know this. And, like, if you talk to anybody in the, in the Space Force or other branches of the U.S. military, they're very aware of this sort of threat, um, and they're, like, working hard to, to ensure that, that our systems keep evolving as well. But it is something that that yeah i mean people at the highest levels of the u.s government talk about a lot and say it's a priority that we that that we maintain our space superiority through all this yeah and mike it came up when this balloon was floating over north america alaska parts of canada and then the united states and then finally uh, went over the atlantic east of the carolinas and was shot down by the air force simple fact of the matter and i, I brought it up a, a week ago when I was on the air and said uh, there there are satellites from China and other countries that are not friendly to the United States that uh, fly overhead constantly 
and are are doing surveillance work. So uh, while the the balloon at 60,000 feet is a concern and what's it doing and their political implications, the simple fact is, and this has been going on for decades. Yeah, yeah, people shouldn't be surprised that they're they're that our Chinese spy craft. They they have they have dozens and dozens of satellites that are doing this too. Sure. I mean, it's it, and and I mean, we're doing this too. We have a lot of very capable spy satellites too. I mean, it's not like China's the only country that's trying to gain an advantage in this way. But but it is interesting with the balloons. Like you, when, like you do wonder what what advantage you would get from this this, this sort of balloon surveillance. And yeah. it's it's risky, as we just found out. If you lose control of it, it can create a big international incident, and it can make you look like you're incompetent or you're or you're trying to provoke like yeah like when your adversary nation is sending something into its airspace it's it's a very strange thing to do with it's like a high risk sort of thing so they would theoretically be getting something valuable from it and and like some of the people i've talked to think that it's probably like electronic surveillance is probably more of a priority with balloons because if you're on a satellite you're a couple hundred miles up or or higher you you can't intercept so get yeah, sort of like communication signals nearly as well as you can when you're down in Earth's atmosphere with a balloon. So, I mean, maybe that's what they're getting, but it's all speculation because, you know, Chinese government still says that these are weather stations and they say that they're totally benign, which I don't think anybody believes, but um, that's what they're saying anyway. Quick break. We'll come back. SpaceX down in Texas. They are busy and a huge step to launch Starship happened this week and we'll get mike's thoughts on that those raptor engines came to life on the super heavy boosters and we may see a flight an orbital flight very soon we'll get mike's thoughts on that here on news talk e3o mike wall from space.com joining us let's head down to texas and talk about starship uh this this has been in the works for a while, and finally they uh, fired up 31 of 33 Raptors engines on this gigantic super heavy booster. And if the super heavy with Starship stacked on top flies, it will be the most powerful rocket ever flown. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll that, like it'll produce somewhere in the neighborhood of, of like 17 million pounds of thrust which is way more than any other rocket like has ever produced. I mean, if people remember when, when the Artemis one mission lifted off this past November, that giant new rocket that NASA built called the space launch system, it's currently the most powerful rocket ever to fly successfully. And it's about eight, it, it, it produces 8.8 million kind of pounds of thrust basically. So the starships almost double that, wow. which is insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's designed to just launch huge quantities of huge, you know, kind of amounts of volume and mass to earth orbit to help us get stuff up there and onto Mars and onto the moon, you know, all this infrastructure that we might need to build a colony on the moon or a colony on Mars. That's sort of what it's designed to do. And yeah, I mean, this was one of the major hurdles that was left before it can do its first orbital test flight. Um, And if the remaining checkouts go well, you know, they've, they've got to analyze all the data from the test fire, but it seemed to go pretty well. They said it was a full duration test fire. It was about six or seven seconds, which is what they wanted. And, and if all the data from the engines was that good and they don't have to make any big changes, this thing could launch to Earth orbit, or try to anyway, as soon as next month, Elon Musk has said. Yeah, in, in this Raptor engine burns methane, which is u- unique. Um, right now, a SpaceX rocket uh, is liquid oxygen and kerosene uh, 
for for all practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it's it's a different fuel, but it's a fuel that's actually designed for a Mars rocket because like you can actually make methane on from the atmosphere of Mars, and that's what um which which is mostly carbon dioxide. So that's sort of why they they designed it in this way. I mean, Elon Musk has said this. You know, if you want to to set up like a Mars outpost and you want to fly back and forth from Earth to Mars and from Mars to Earth, you're you're gonna have to use a fuel that you can make on the red planet without that much trouble. And it wouldn't be all that hard from a chemistry standpoint to to make methane on Mars and just kind of use it as as a fuel for your rocket. It, it is extraordinary to think, and we have discussed this in the past. You're thinking, well, these rockets are so huge, and they're they're getting bigger and bigger. You brought up SLS and and what what sent Artemis around the moon and and brought it back, and will eventually send humans back to the moon. But with with this particular system, the the Starship system and this super heavy booster and this reusable ship. Number one, it's 100% reusable. But another big part of that is the fact that they want it to be reusable down the road to the likes of a jetliner, like a 737. Lands, uh, the passengers get off, they put more fuel on it, and it takes off again and flies somewhere else. I mean, in reality, that's what they want to be able to do because of the amount of stuff you need to get out of Earth's atmosphere to to colonize the moon or ultimately Mars. Yeah, and I mean, if if you're dreaming that big, then you have to kind of have that plan that, that that's just built into your design from the outset. And what 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 Elon Musk has said is they actually want this this like giant first stage booster, super heavy that they just test fired all those engines on. What what SpaceX wants to do after its flights, you know, I mean, SpaceX is, is famous for its booster landings after orbital sure. launches. You know, they land on the drone ship, so they land at a, at a landing zone near the launch pad. What they want to do with Super Heavy is to land it right back onto the launch mount, like where it lifted off from. They want it to come right exactly back onto the mount and be sort of caught there so that you don't have to waste time kind of with the hauling it back to shore from the drone ship or, or kind of just putting it outside to, to drive it back from the landing pad back to the launch pad. He wants to put it directly back onto the launch mount, do some do some minor refurbishments there, and just launch it again. And that, I mean, if if they can pull that off, that would just be just unbelievable because that something like that's never been been done before. You know, because I, I I've you know read tons of books and have been a big fan since I was a boy about space flight and. Yeah. If you think about it and and what they had to do just to make that trip to the moon and keep astronauts alive for a few days on the surface and then bring the three back safely to Earth and land them, just about everything was disposable on that trip. But but to make it reusable and and get the stuff you would need for humans to be able to set up shop on the moon and then beyond that Mars – you, you just think about all the stuff you would need to do that, and, and you're talking not just a few launches. You're potentially talking to, to make a realistic trip to Mars, potentially 100 launches of, of material and sending it there and getting people set up so they could stay because it's a long way there. you got to stay there a while before you can make the return trip. Yeah, and it would it would be a lot of 
many, many, many Starship launches. And it'll like it'll be a lot of Starship launches before people get on it actually. We've we've like heard SpaceX say that. They they don't want to launch on like the but they, they don't want to put people on like the 10th Starship launch or the 15th one. They, they like want to put them on the 200th or the 300th. And so it kind of jives with their plans for, for, yeah, for their big, big sort of their, their, their kind of satellite internet system, which is called Starlink. Like they already have about 3,500 of those operational Starlink satellites, but they're switching over to, to, a, to a new bigger kind of Starlink satellite that's designed to launch on Starship. So what, what they're going to actually do is is launch a lot of Starlink satellites with Starship and kind of use those as, as proving ground test flights for people, you know, and see if they can build up all the reliability with Starship on these Starlink launches. And that'll show NASA and show, show lots of other people who are interested in actually putting people on Starship that it's safe to fly. And, there, I mean, there are plans. NASA has already signed up to put people on Starship. It's going to be like the first lunar lander for the Artemis program and put people on the moon in 2025 if, if all goes according to plan. So if, if we do see this orbital test flight next month and it works, I would imagine we're going to see a lot more Starship launches really in quick succession to try to build up that cadence and that reliability. And just, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, so that could be coming up very Quickly, and earlier in the program, you mentioned another one worth watching, a Boeing Starliner uh, could launch at some point late first quarter, uh, more likely early second quarter here in 23. Yeah, it's possible it could get off the ground, but yeah, kind of like as early as as like mid-April. Um, okay. I don't know if... Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to hit that timeline. I guess I, I don't think they formally announced like a like a target launch date, but that's sort of what they're looking at. Kind of April, May would be my guess when it when it does fly. But that's going to be a big deal too. You know, it's it's made it to the, the space station and back once. It didn't have astronauts on it, but that that was a big accomplishment. And putting people on board and yeah, that that's going to be a be a pretty big deal when it happens. And if we can get get Starliner certified and have three have three certified crew carrying kind of spacecraft to go to the space station and back it's going to be yeah it's going to be a really big deal well mike always good to visit with you i i certainly appreciate your work at space.com and hopefully we can do it again soon sure yep yeah yeah i'm always happy to talk to you steve all right there he is mike wall space.com senior writer there but uh some of the photos of this uh 31 uh, engine test of the Starship down in Texas are pretty spectacular. 31 of 33 uh, came to life on that test fire, and Elon Musk said, that is enough to get us to orbit. And then uh, that would land uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, the Starship uh, Super Heavy Booster. Starship itself, the upper stage, would reach orbit and land in the ocean near Hawaii if all goes well. 332, uh, speaking of going well, we'll talk weather in a moment. And then good friend of ours, Chris Thomason from the Pioneer Press, he covers the Vikings year-round. Uh, we'll talk some Viking news. Justin Jefferson, a big award. Uh, and, of course, uh, the big game tomorrow in Arizona. That's all on the way here at News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.